On today's episode of the Productivity Podcast, I'm talking to Jason Bay all about goal setting. Welcome to the Productivity Show, the show that gets you where you want to be fast. Smash your goals and achieve more with actionable, easy to follow advice and become a Jedi Master of Productivity. And now, introducing your host, Paul Miners. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Productivity Podcast. Thank you for tuning into this episode. As always, I appreciate your time and your attention. Uh, so thank you for tuning into this episode because I know how valuable your time is. And on today's episode, I'm talking to Jason Bay from GenYSuccess.com. And I was actually recently interviewed by Jason for his own podcast. And uh, yeah, we uh, did a did a swap around. And so I've got Jason on today's show. And I had a ton of questions organized for Jason about Gen Y and why so many people are getting started starting their own businesses and all this kind of stuff. But we just got super, super deep on goal setting and he delivers a ton of value talking all about his very detailed approach to setting goals. So yeah, Jason delivers a ton of value. It's really worth the listen uh, this episode. You can follow along with the show notes and links that we talked about at poolminers.com slash 25. And without any further ado, let's get into this discussion with Jason Bay. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Productivity Podcast and today I am joined by Jason Bay from GenYSuccess.com. Hey Jason, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me on, man. I just had you on my show not too long ago, so I'm excited to uh, switch the roles here, man. Yeah, yeah, we, we chatted last week, didn't we? It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was real good meeting you and, and talking to you. So no, the, role, the roles have reversed, but no, thanks for giving up your time and um, yeah, we're going to have another awesome chat today, I'm sure. Definitely. So, hey, should we uh, should we just start with a, a typical introduction? I'd love it if you could kind of fill us all in on who Jason Bay is and what is the story behind GenYSuccess.com. How did how did that all come about? Definitely. Well, uh, to tell you kind of where I came from as far as my background, when I was a senior in high school, I wanted to be a forensic scientist. So my parents were pretty blue collar. My dad works at a mill. My mom is a mortgage loan officer uh, here in the United States. And I never saw myself getting into business or anything like that or having a podcast. And long story short, I ended up going to my fresh one of my freshman classes, taking a criminology class. And I figured out that it was not exactly what it was like on CSI. <laughs> and someone came into my class and talked about an opportunity to run a house painting business over the summer with a company called CollegeWorks Painting. So I ended up doing that and found that I had a knack for business. You know, I loved marketing and sales and getting to manage people and, and I ran my first six-figure business um, at 19 years old uh, while going to school. So what I did for the next three or four years after that was manage salespeople and hire new interns and students through the program, was pretty successful at that. And then I left the company about six years into it and I wanted to start my own business. So I always had this itch to start a business and I just never really understood exactly what that process looked like. So I was really afraid that I felt like you had to spend a lot of money to start a business. I didn't know about this online business thing. And the other thing is I felt like it would take a lot more time than it actually did too. And that you, I didn't know that you, you know, couldn't start like a business on the side, for example. So I ended up doing it the really hard way. I quit my job, uh, borrowed a bunch of money from my parents to start my own house painting business 
And then after that, the business failed after about six months. And I maintained a relationship with College Works Painting, the company I continued working with, and I was doing marketing consulting with them. And that led to me starting Gen Y Success because I was like, you know what? There's got to be a lot of millennials and young people that want to make that transition from full-time employee to either freelancer or full-time entrepreneur, but they don't know how or they need inspiration to do so. So what I want to provide at Gen Y Success is inspiration and, and instruction for the people that maybe don't know much about entrepreneurship, but want to try it or, or see what it's like, or the people that maybe know a lot about entrepreneurship and they want to start a business, but they need help taking that first step. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. And you know what? So much of what you just said um, like really resonates with how I've kind of grown up and how I feel as well. And it's really interesting. You were saying like you, you had this itch to start a business and um, and get and, and, and work for yourself, but you, you'd always had this perception that um, like to start a business, you needed all this money and you needed to kind of go at it, like jump two feet in. There was, there was no awareness of this, like, oh, you could start it on the side and you could just do it online by yourself and it can be really cheap and um, affordable. Like that's definitely what I used to think about starting a business. And I was the same when I was at school, I was thinking of ideas. And I guess my first thought was like, okay, now I'm going to have to come up with an idea and then pitch to an investor to get money. And it never even occurred to me that there was this whole world online of like, online independent entrepreneurs who kind of just build like a really good sustainable income from the comfort of their own home and it's it's uh, it's 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 um like far more achievable than than we think on the surface and uh, it doesn't require like a huge team and a venture capitalist and all these things so um i i definitely resonate with that feeling and um i feel like i'm, I'm perfectly in your target market because yeah there's I guess there's there's so many things to think about when starting a business, and um, I'm I'm totally your target market, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> no, you bring up a good point in that when when I first quit my job, I started a house painting business because I thought that was the only thing I could do because that's the only industry I'd ever worked in. I didn't think about the fact that while well, I was their marketing director for a couple of years, I have all this expertise that I was gaining from marketing for a sixty million dollar company. I didn't even think about that as a skill that I could market to other businesses. Because to be honest with you, I wasn't, I think this is a big part of it is I wasn't hanging around other entrepreneurs. So I didn't actually know what it was like. My parents were not entrepreneurs and no one in my family really was either. So I just had this perception of entrepreneurship and starting a business being something that it totally wasn't. Like I said, I did it the hardest way possible. I, I went into a service-based business where I had to get a $20,000 loan from my parents to buy all the equipment and stuff to paint houses and do that with. When I could have just do, did what I'm doing right now, I, I, I think this, there was no startup cost for Gen Y success. I, just, I made money my first day in business because I traded my services for money. I didn't need to invest a bunch of money in products or anything like that or equipment or anything. Yeah, and that's uh, that's really awesome. So actually, Jason, leading off of that, what do you think would be your recommended approach for anyone thinking, anyone Gen Y or anyone for that matter? Like, what do you think would be your recommended approach for people to get started in business? Do you recommend this kind of start on the side approach if they're working full time and then slowly evolve it and see how it goes, or jump jump in two feet? I, what is your kind of opinion? I think it really depends on your personal situation. I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer. The first thing I would say, though, is that you have to be entrepreneurship is not about being a business owner. It's more of a mindset than the technicality or the legalities of opening up a business. A lot of people think that, oh, I started an LLC. 
I'm a business owner. Yeah. Um, that doesn't make you an entrepreneur, though. That I guess that makes you a business owner, but that's not what entrepreneurship is about. Entrepreneurship, you can be entrepreneurial and have a job. That's called intrapreneurship, right? I don't know if you've heard that before, like intrapreneurial. Yeah. So my first recommendation would be, are you looking for those type of things at your job right now? Like, let's say when I was marketing director, for example, I was promoted to a position that did not exist. So I was creating this department from scratch. And there was a lot of things that I did for the company that were very entrepreneurial. So for example, part of the marketing department, what they wanted to do was experiment with call centers. So what did I do? They were like, hey, we, you went, we want you to handle this. So I hired eight to 10 telemarketers. I did all the research for the predictive dialer software. I did all the, like, the data management and, and research for that. I did all the scripting. It's like I created a business within a business, and I found out that I really liked that. So that to me was like a big indicator looking back at it now that starting a business, being an entrepreneur was for me. So if you're listening and you have a job right now, the one thing that I would really do is try to think more like an entrepreneur. I would challenge yourself to really think about, do I know how this business works? A lot of people don't even know the hierarchy or the corporate structure of the business that they work for. That seems really crazy to me. Yeah. Like talk to your boss or find a mentor at work, like find out how the business is structured and how it works because that's going to help you with the second part in figuring out what's most valuable to this company that I can do right now. Yeah, and, and actually, try to find results-based things that you can do. Go ahead, sorry. Sorry, no, no. Um I, I was going to say, like, it sounds like a really smart approach if you can, like, because, I mean, it's no surprise that a lot of new businesses, a lot of entrepreneurs fail a few times before they find that successful idea and really kind of hit the nail on the head, so to speak. But if you can start in, like, a, a safe environment where you've got, like, a stable salary and a regular paycheck, um, but you can kind of practice entrepreneurial things like st like the the call center project that you talked about. You know, it's you're going to be learning and implementing a lot of the skills that an entrepreneur would use from the comfort and safety of like an organization where you've got that stable paycheck. So it sounds like a very safe way to kind of almost dip your toes in the water without taking on too much risk. I'm all about limiting risk. I think it's I think to finish that point real quick, and I'll answer your, your your question, your previous question, was that you have to really look at it in terms of the people that run the company. If you're very, very proactive about finding out how the company works so that you can find out what's most important to the people that run the company, you're going to start finding all sorts of ideas for projects and things that you can come up with and push in your company that generate bottom line profit so that like you're the man or, or the woman at work because when they think of you, they think of, wow, this person really cares about the business and the business making profit in the future of the business, not just coming in and getting a paycheck from us. That's the first step in becoming an entrepreneur is like looking for those big picture things that you can make a big push with in a business. As a consultant or a freelancer, that's what you're doing. Like the natural progression to full-time entrepreneur is to become a freelancer or a consultant, which is a lot of what I do right now. I'm still in that transitionary stage. And a lot of that is being able to look and understand how a business works, but most importantly, how to find out what's most important to the people that run the business. And it's always profit oriented. But to answer your original question, I think that that's the first step that I would take. And whether or not you, you know, stick, stick your toes in the, in the pool first or jump in head first and do a, or, or do a cannibal is really up to your personal situation. Like what I would recommend is don't quit your job and go into it full time unless you have a decent amount of money and a safety net. 
I would recommend at least six months. Six months. It could take three to six months for you to generate a, a full-time income or more, um, depending on how like centered you are and, and how sure you are in your idea and if it will work or not. We can talk about how to find that out here in a second. But I think one of the big mistakes people make, and if I would have done this, I, I would have been screwed, is that I didn't have a lot of money in my bank account. Like I didn't have a couple months of savings in case I didn't make money. So I think that's the most important thing to do. Don't don't put that undue stress on you. And I would say if you if you want to tiptoe in, the, the the best that's usually the option I recommend is you can try things on the side. You only need 15 or 20 hours extra a week to really give something a try to validate it and see if it's going to be a good idea or not. Yeah, and I mean, like, um, that's kind of totally where I'm at at the moment is, like, I would roughly spend between 15 to 20 hours a week on the side of my job um, and, and, to try and to try and build my website, to try and build my business so that I can make that transition. And, and yeah, I, I, I think it's really important for people to come up with, like, almost like a monthly target income number where they can um, think yep. in their head, like, what do I need to be making to, to like, equal what I'm earning from my job now in order to maintain my standard of living, you know, to pay my expenses and, um, and and get by. And actually, you could challenge that as well. Like, think, can I get by on less? And in which case, my monthly target income becomes less and that, that runway that you've got um, becomes longer because you, you're, you're going to be cutting your expenses. Um, and I've almost, like, said to myself, I'm not willing to make that jump until I can pretty much guarantee I can replace my 100% of my, my salary because that's the level of... I'm, I'm accepting that... Um, I might have to persevere a bit longer, but I don't want to take as much risk uh, and be living off savings as much because I have my mortgage to pay and I really want to make sure that I can provide before I fully commit. So that's kind of how I've approached it. Um, but sorry, I think you were about to say something else there, Jason. I'm all about that approach too. I just, I'm not a huge, I take, I take risks, but they're very, very calculated. And one thing I was going to mention too is if you're smart, if you take that approach of I want to be very entrepreneurial at my current job if you get lucky and you do a good job and your employer really values you you can work out a freelancing relationship with your employer that's exactly what I did that's a great so idea. I yeah. left the company full-time to start my own business even though I started a competing business they still saw so much value in me that they wanted me to still maintain a consulting relationship where I worked with them five to ten hours a week so I maintained that for the, the six months that I was running that other business so that when it failed I had something to go back to, right? I talked to them and was like, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm I can I can work with you guys full time now, you know." So now, then I started working with them as a freelancer and a consultant instead of as their employee. So I had all this freedom. I was able to charge a rate that I wanted to, and I was able to say yes and no to things. So you can you can that's what I love about freelancing and consulting is you can kind of meet that medium until you find something like what I found with Gen Y Success, where I can like, okay, I have a vision of what I want to do. And I have a specific service that I want to help people with. And that'll turn here this next year. My goal is to launch a couple products and things like that. Awesome. Um, okay, well, well getting, getting back to Gen Y success and, and kind of some of the more practical stuff that people can do when it comes to starting their own business. Um, one of the places I always tell people to start, and I talk about this in my seven-day productivity plan, is goal setting. And I know that you have a three-step approach to setting goals, and we can get quite, quite specific on some of that stuff. I wonder if, um, could you walk us through the approach that you have or the approach that you teach people when it comes to, to goal setting, particularly around 
um, starting a business. And actually, if we could, even how that might um, transition into other projects that people might be working on as well, because um, with goal setting and, and productivity in general, I'm all about trying to use these processes and tools for just getting more out of life. It doesn't have to just be at work. So, uh, yeah, could you could you maybe walk us through your your approach to goal setting and, and give us some real practical practical tips and tricks? For sure. So I'll walk you through the process and then you let me know where you want to get more specific with starting a business because I have a whole bunch of other things that we can cool. talk about that are very specific to that too. Um, okay. So there's a three-step process that I've come up with that will help you double your pro productivity and accomplish your goals in 2016. This is the same process that I spent a whole year in 2015 figuring out. And what it helped me do was have my first six-figure year as a business and revenue and also pay off $30,000 in credit card debt <laughs> last year. Wow. So the, the three steps are vision, accountability, and execution. So let's dig into each of these real quick. So with vision, the, the reason why vision is first is that all the productivity stuff that like you and I like to nerd out on, Paul, doesn't really work <laughs> unless you know what to be productive about. It's really easy to be productive on something that it doesn't matter, but that doesn't make you very effective, right? So the whole goal is to be productive and effective. So here's where I recommend people start. The mentality that I have around this, and this is especially important to millennials because I feel like we look at this the exact opposite way. So someone came on my show, her name is Jess Lively, and she talked about a concept called be, do, have. And what she talked about is be is who you are, do is what you're doing, so like for work, and have is the material possessions in your life. She said that most people look at this backwards. So if we're looking at a mountain here, they look at have on the bottom, do in the middle, and be at the top. They start at the bottom of the mountain, and they set all their goals based around all the material objects they want in their life. Like think of our generation, right? What, what's it all about? Like having a nice car, getting a nice house, like having all these things. Yeah. You don't care what you have to do to get that. You don't care who you are. You just want to have those things. And then you, after you have the things you want, you focus on the job. And then you focus on who you are as a person. So her recommendation and my recommendation is if you start at the top of the mountain and focus on who you want to be and who you are and what's important to you, like for me, freedom is really important to me, then I can focus on optimizing my life for that. So I can find things that will allow me to be that way. So the things that I'm doing and the material objects will come last because the, the who I am and what I do will determine what I have. So the four areas that I recommend starting in, the four buckets of goals are personal habits, possessions, relationships, and career. So the way that I get started with this and, I, and the way that I coach people on how to get started is to think about and brain dump everything that you could possibly think of in those four categories, your personal habits, your possessions, your relationships, and career. If you can come up with a list of like 30 plus things, awesome. Sorry, sorry, Jason. So this is, um, you're talking about things you want to have related to this or, or it's, it's in the whole context of be, do, have? Yeah, so it could be anywhere on that scale, right? So personal habits could be, okay, I want to focus on exercise or diet or health or anything like that. That's that's like who you are as a person, right? Your be. Yeah. Um, so possessions would be your have, right? Relationships, again, would be your be. Uh, career would be fit in that category of do. So you're going to set okay, okay. all of those areas. Right. Right? So where be, do, have comes in is 
and where you want to really narrow down the focus, and this is the approach that Warren Buffett uses, is you know, come up with 30, 40, 50 things. I came up with over 50 things that were important to me. And then what I looked at from there is I looked at, okay, what, what area of life do I need to really focus on and how can I get this list down to three to five things? So the big key point here in this vision part and vision step of this is that how can you get that list of 40 or 50 down to like three to five of the most important things that you absolutely want to have happen in 2016 in this case? So what you're gonna do from there though is that you're gonna look for push goals. So typically, just to give you an example, so last year, a lot of my goals were income related. You know, paying off debt was a big one. I had a couple different types of debt, credit card debt, and I had the rest of a business loan for that first business that I started, and a couple other just lifestyle things. So what I determined was instead of setting all of these different financial goals, I said that, you know, if I just have one goal and I figure out exactly what the income is that I need to hit those things, I can just focus on income. A lot of people throw out like an income goal like, oh, six figures because it sounds cool, but there's no rhyme or reason to that number. You should come down with the exact amount of income that you need in order to accomplish all your other goals. Income is usually a really big push goal that helps you with everything else. The second thing that I looked at for me that was really important was relationships and connecting with people like you, Paul, like other influencers in my space because I knew that doing that would help me meet people and get projects to generate income. So I found out that income and relationships, building 12 power connections in my niche, those were the two push goals that would help me pretty much accomplish most of that list of 50. And everything else that it didn't help me accomplish, X all those out and that becomes your not to do list. Right. So focus on less. I think that's the, so the common pitfall in this step is that people are either not bought into their goals because they haven't sat down and really thought about how, the, how does this fit in the be, do, have thing? Like what is important to me? Like who I am is the, should be the most important thing to me because that's going to allow me to do something that makes me happy and have things that make me, that give me fulfillment. Um, so the second thing is not looking, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, so people are going to have to be pretty brutal then because they're going to list out all these things they want to be, do, and have related to their habits, their possessions, their relationships, and their career. They might have, yeah, like 50 things in your case, and you've got to whittle it down to three to five. That's uh, that's going to require quite a lot of, um, like, discipline and some real thought um, to, to kind of really condense that list. And people might have to be willing to let go of some pretty big things in order to focus on the couple that really, really matter. I did that. I had to do that this year, actually. So I think that your goals change throughout the year also, which we'll talk about here in a second. So for 2016, I had a big travel goal. I wanted to hit two international spots and then do four domestic trips. And just with the way things are going right now, I just hired my first full-time employee last week. It's like, I'm probably not going to get to do those domestic trips that I want to. And I'm probably going to only be able to do one international trip. It's like, you just kind of, kind of figure out like, what's, what's the most important thing to you? My business is more important than that. Getting my employee uh, off the ground and having making sure that he has lots to do and that he's bought into the vision of the company is way more important to me than those things. So when you come up with that big list, look at ways that you can group things together and look for ways that you can eliminate things that really aren't that important to you. Sometimes it sounds really cool to, to say things and want things and have goals for stuff, but you find out that it's not that important to you. It's okay. It's okay. But yeah, you do have to be brutally honest with yourself. Yeah, I mean, like, particularly with, um, you know, some of the possessions, I would, I would say, like, 
it's always uh, easy to get excited by things we want. And, and I, I, like you said earlier, it's the, it's the bit that people typically focus on the most in the beginning is all these, all the stuff that they want. But as uh, I'm sure most people can um, recall, like buying something at some point in their life thinking, and they were super excited about it. And then the excitement wears off so quickly, and then you quickly forget about it and move on to obsessing about the next thing. So I would just say that, yeah, like that's probably a, an area that you could cut quite a lot of um, cut a lot of those things off your list just by really challenging yourself to think, do I need this or is this going to help me towards this goal or bring me the satisfaction that I, that I think it will? And it's like, I'm going to borrow from Warren Buffett again. That's <laughs> He is all about focusing on less and getting more. He's all about cutting. And that's how he's been so successful financially. And especially from a skill standpoint, that's how he's gotten so skilled at what he does is he's really narrowed down the focus to what is the absolute most important things that I want? So from here, the what I do, so there's, I talked about the common pit, uh, pitfalls. The tools that I use to help me with this are Google Drawings is really, really cool. So it's a Google Drawings, is it's, a, it's free. And just go to drawings.google.com. And what it is, it's like a whiteboard, but on your computer and you can drag stuff around. So what I do is I have one document that has all of my milestone goals on there. And it's basically my whole vision is on there. It's really pretty basic. It's like, what are my milestone goals? Like last year it was, you know, I need to make X amount of income to pay off all my debt. I need to make these 12 power connections. And that's just on a Google drawing that I look at every day. And I'll talk about in these next two steps what I add to that Google drawing as well. So actually, that's actually, uh, one. sorry, if I could just interrupt there, like um, that's a really interesting thing that you did. I actually did something similar. Um, I read, I don't know if you've come across the winner's Bible. Oh, no, I haven't read that. Um, it's all about how to kind of create your own personal winner's Bible, which is a, a, like a, a book, I guess, essentially, that's uh, filled with all these sheets related to everything specific to do with you, like your goals, the relationships that are important to you, um, and the different important areas of your life and your career goals and things. And one of the, one of the sheets that he gets you to make to put into this Bible is um, like, he, he, you call it Your Name Inc. So I'm Paul Miners Inc. And it goes at the beginning, it goes in the middle of like a mind map, and then it gets you to mind map all the important areas of your life. So I actually did this myself using, um, it was actually using MindMeister, which is a mind mapping tool. And um, you, you plot out like your work and all the important things, the responsibilities that you have to your work, all the important relationships in your life, the, the activities that you want to do, the skills you want to learn. And you basically list out and, pro and, and uh, prioritize, uh, not so much prioritize, but you list out everything that you're kind of focusing on. And then the useful um, the use of this comes in when yeah you kind of look at it on a regular basis maybe daily or a couple of times a week and then because you've listed out all of the things that you want to focus on in your life you'll you'll start to see yourself gravitate to one area like maybe you're working too much and you you've neglected um, neglected a sport that you meant to be giving some attention or you've neglected like your health and your fitness a bit and so just by having this visual thing in front of you it's a really good way of just reminding yourself of all the different areas that you should be focusing on and so that's just something I, I did fairly in the last couple of months that's been really useful for me love it and that becomes the master sheet for everything like that's the sheet that I look at every single day when I get out um, and I'll kind of walk you through my system here when we go through the next steps but the just to, to cap up uh, cap the vision part of it I, there's another common thing that I think that people miss here and it's that you have there's different types of things that you want to have on that vision board so we just talked about goals. Those are milestones. 
So a milestone is something that has a very clear ending because there's a very clear result. Yeah. So if it's make 100K, that's a milestone. You'll know whether you su uh, succeed or fail at that. There's two other components that people don't typically think about that cause them not to hit their goals and their key activities and habits. So what you have to do, if you determine that making 100K, let's say, for example, is the key milestone that you need to hit all of your goals, that's going to be like the one big push goal or maybe one of two big push goals. So you got to determine like, well, what are the key activities that are going to help me do that? Is it sales calls? What's already producing income for me right now? Do I need to come up with more bonuses where I'm working? Whatever it is, like what are the key activities, the stuff that is effort related, the I did this or I didn't do it stuff that is going to help me hit that milestone? And then what are the daily habits that I would need to incorporate in my life to accomplish those? So for me, like the daily habits for almost everything in life, the keystone habits for successful business people are meditation, reading, journaling, gratitude, like making those daily habits. Yeah. You have to track each of those things separately. And I'll share some tools here in a second when we get to some other steps, but I think that's a really key thing. You have to have milestone goals, but also dig a step further and look at the key activities and the habits that would help you accomplish those goals. Yeah, that's um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so can we go into some of the specific, maybe the tools that you're using to track those different things? Yes. So the tools that I'm using to track habits, I use a bunch of different things. Um, so basically the way that this works, I'm using Google Drawing to put all my goals and basically lay the vision out so that I can see everything in one place. Um, and then what I'll use for like, tracking the projects or let's say the the day-to-day -day actions to accomplish those goals i use asana for that i love asana you talked about asana on my podcast i did uh, love it yep that's no and surprise then the other thing that, <laughs> yeah the other thing that i will do that's task oriented is uh on a daily basis i just have a moleskin so basically what i'm using is that i'm using that vision board that google drawing to look at what i need to accomplish in the next year and breaking that down per quarter then per month then per week and then I'm looking at Asana is helping me create the action around accomplishing those things. Yeah. That Moleskin is looking more what I do on a daily basis to track habits. And then I also use way of life to, to track stuff that I can't track on the Moleskin. Oh, uh, yeah. So, for example, like uh, like the Moleskin is really good to write down gratitude and stuff like that. But I really like way of life because I can get trending on you know how many days in a row have I meditated? How many uh, days have I exercised this week? Um, how many days have I done whatever it is the other keystone habits are in my life and I could track it on an app and it does the work for me and all the trending for me and I can see one of the big things that a guy named Peter Vug shared with me on my podcast is called the confidence account and it's the more times you can see small wins the more confident you are in your ability to just follow through and do what you say you're going to do and that sounds really weird but most people, including myself, have trouble doing the things that we promise to ourselves that we're going to do. Yeah. We wouldn't be talking about productivity unless that were the case for everyone else, too. So having that, that way of life app, it helps me see all the green. It's like every time I said I was going to exercise, I did. Every time I said I was going to meditate and do my morning routine, I did it, and I marked it off. I can see that I have a 60-day streak going or whatever it is. That creates a lot of confidence for you. Awesome. Right. Um, yeah, no, I was just going to say the way of life. Yeah, I've, I've used that one a bit um, myself. I actually, uh, a couple of months ago, I was using this before way of life, but I used the workflow. Do you, do you know workflow on the iPhone? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I'm sure it's on Android as well, but um, 
there's the, yeah the workflow app and what i would do is because you can save your little workflows to the today view in the on the iphone what i would do is have this little app um kind of automated action uh, trigger when i click the little button on the um today view and it was just called a habit journal and so i would click my habit journal and then it would ask me like how long did you meditate for today and you put in a number like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is. How long did you read for today? 10 minutes, 20 minutes. What is one thing you're grateful for today? What is one thing you'd like to do better tomorrow? And you just type those things in. And then what it would do, it was um, it would just take my answers and append the results to the end of a, a, a note, a specific note in Evernote. So every day the same note would get updated with the same like, and it would, it would put in the text nicely as well. So it would say reading time, colon, 10 minutes, meditating time, colon, 20 minutes minutes and then uh, today I was grateful for this and I'd like to improve on this and the other thing that I actually set it up to do as well was um, actually then add an event to my calendar called um, habit journal yeah I think it was just called habit journal and then the date and then oh, in, awesome. in the description of the calendar it would just say the the results and so it was just like I was just having some fun with the app really and um I don't. I don't use it anymore. I still have it on the phone, but I, I was using. I've been using Way of Life recently. But yeah, it was kind of fun for a while to have the, um, the, uh, yeah, the, the results go into my calendar. Because then, as, as I, I flick back through my calendar fairly regularly to just see what I did last week or how I've spent the month, and at any time you could then click on the event and see for that day like what I was grateful for and how how I tracked in terms of those habits. It was quite cool. But so I could actually for anyone listening who wants to check it out, I'll share a link to that workflow online. And if you want to use that, have some fun with it and customize it to yourself. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a lot of automation right there. I love yeah. it. So, sorry, um, I think we got to, we were wrapping up vision, weren't we? Yeah, so that's that's essentially the vision part. The, the next two steps are really are really key. I won't spend too much time talking about accountability because it's pretty straightforward. I want to spend most of the time talking about execution, which is where most people have issues. Right. Accountability, really simply, is that the biggest mistake I see people make here, and I made this, is like thinking you can do it all by yourself. There's a reason why guys like Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan and all these other people have all these expert coaches around them or expert trainers is that they need to be held accountable also. So my biggest recommendation, what's been really helpful for me is find an accountability partner. Uh, my accountability partner is a guy named Jordan Bryant who's doing a very similar thing to me, running a business. And we meet every single Thursday at 4 p.m. We talk for 30 to 60 minutes and he knows all of my goals. I know all of his goals. And we talk about what we're going to accomplish between now and a week from now, the next time that we talk. So when we talk again, we either did or didn't do the things that we said they were going to do. And I'll tell you what, I feel like a total piece of crap when I come to the meeting and I haven't done what I said I was going to do yeah. and vice versa. So having just that little bit of accountability really helps, especially if it's someone that's really equal on, on, on your playing field. So I'd recommend doing that or finding some sort of mastermind or something. Find some sort of way to share your goals with other people. I don't really buy into the system of doing it yourself. I, I don't see very many people succeed at accomplishing their goals by themselves. There's just too many ways that you can talk yourself out of things. If I have an accountability partner I'm supposed to meet with at the gym at 6 o'clock every morning or on certain days of the week, I'm going to show up at 6 o'clock on those mornings. If I don't have that accountability partner, I'm going to make some sort of excuse in my head. It's just human nature to do that about why I don't need to show up or why I'm too sick or why I should get an extra 30 minutes of sleep and hit snooze. You know, it's like there's just so many excuses you can make up in your head. So accountability is number two. It's probably one of the most important steps. 
but it's really pretty straightforward. Find someone to talk about your goals with at a structured time every single week, and you'll be good in that department. Yeah, love right. it. Let's 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 plow on. Yeah. So execution. This is the part that I get really excited about, and that people always want to hear the goodies here. So once you have the vision and you've found an accountability partner, you have someone to hold you accountable to these things. Uh, from here, it's all about execution, and, and execution is probably two thirds of this equation. It's all about doing. So when I get up, the first thing that I'll typically do is I'll make breakfast and then I'll go back uh, and I meditate to start my day. And as soon as I get done meditating, I look at my moleskin, which has got my tasks for the day. So what I recommend is, I know that you've shared this also, it's such a simple hack, but it's probably the most effective and the one I, I get recommended the most for productivity. Take five minutes at the end of every day just to plan the next day. Yeah. Take five minutes. So I look at that moleskin, it's got three to five tasks that I need to accomplish for the day. And then what I immediately do is I open up that Google drawing and I look at it and I say, is what I'm about to do today getting me closer to accomplishing my goals? There's no neutral here. It's either getting you closer or further away. Sometimes I get up and I look at it, I'll be like, what the heck was I thinking last night when I did this? This is not helping me get closer to anything that is big priority for me this year. So I have to say no to those things. I have to restructure. So. The second piece to execution here, and that really goes along with this, is that you have to say no. You have to say no. Yeah. There's certain things that are going to come up throughout the day that you have to say no to. And if you're a guy like myself or a guy like you, Paul, that we have a podcast and we're out there, people are reaching out to us, you have to say no to people. People are going to want to meet with you for coffee or lunch or your friends are going to want to do stuff. Like Make your priorities first. Get those things first. And you have to say no to things. You have to. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one because yeah, um, I've just found that slowly more and more as as my website and podcast have become more known is that people do reach out to you and and um, they have really good intentions and you feel terrible because it's like they've they've made an effort to reach out to you and and um, and help you and deliver value to your audience and I mean they're trying to get exposure for themselves or whatever their goal might be um, and you I mean I've been there I know what that feels like as well but you know that ah oh, like this is I'm I'm really focused focused on this right now. I, I, I don't want to make time in this in my schedule for this. It's just not a priority or it's going to distract me too much from my bigger vision. And so you do have to turn people away. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it can be tough, but you just got to remind yourself of those priorities and, and how you're, how you want to be spending your time. Yeah. Um, one of the big quotes that I really like that is, I think Tim Ferriss got this from Derek Sivers. And he uses prof can I use profanity on here or this is or is this yeah uh, you know I don't even know if I've uh, said my <laughs> podcast is explicit uh, but go for it I'll 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 try and remember to beep this out <laughs> you can beep it out yeah um, Tim Ferriss's thing I heard him say is he said if it's not a fuck yeah then it's a no that's the number one thing that has completely changed my life yeah in the last six months with productivity is that if that opportunity does not make you feel like really super excited. And say no. Yeah, exactly. If that person in your life does not get you super excited, then say no. If what you're doing right now does not get you super excited to get out of bed, just say no. I think we cause a lot of stress and it really affects our productivity because we're doing all these things that we said yes to. We said yes to it, but that we don't really want to do. And we're putting that burden on ourselves. Yeah, and I, I actually, at the time of recording this, I literally the other day just hit publish on a blog post um, talking about people um, being who are very busy and who think they're too busy. And if you if you ever feel like that, I think you're doing something wrong. 
Um, and yep. you read the post, and I, it was a solo episode of the podcast where I talk about it, this idea, and I absolutely mentioned Hell Yeah or Nah, um, the, the Derek Sivers article and link to it. Yep. Um, and I, I kind of, to, to kind of add a counter argument to the article, I, you know, I, I try to imagine what people would say to that. And I imagine there are people listening or people who read the post that think, yeah, that's easy for you to say, but when it comes to real life and you've got all these commitments and responsibilities, how can you just say no to, to half of them? And what I, what I actually wrote about and talked about, which I'll say again here now and see what you think, Jason, is like, you're, if you say yes to too many things, you're actually doing yourself and the people that you might be serving whether that's um, like your spouse or your boss or whoever, you're actually doing those people a disservice by spreading yourself too thin. And so that's the way I justify it is, is if you can commit to one or two things that you really want to say hell yeah to, you're going to do those things so well that it's going to completely make up for the things you said no to. And if you do say yes to too many things, you will do a disservice to everyone because you're not doing an, a, as effective job as you could be if you just said yes to one or two things. And that's kind of my view on it and, and how I think people can justify it if they think they have too many commitments. I love it. I agree 100%, man. It's so powerful. It's, it's such a simple thing. And I think when you really think about it, you can actually say no to a lot more things than you think. Yeah. And it, what the challenge that people have is they don't want to be uncomfortable. <laughs> as soon as I figured out when I was marketing director for College Works Painting how to say no to things that weren't a priority for the department, even though a boss or an owner of the company wanted me to do it, things really changed for me. Because now what they started to do is they started looking at me as, as someone that really had a, a better leg up and knowledge of what was actually valuable for the company. So if I could interject my opinion and be like, well, this project is not really moving us forward on what our big goal is for our department, what are your thoughts? You know, sending something like that back to someone versus no, I'm not going to do it. There's a way you can kind of massage it a little bit. You, you know, you don't have to be an a-hole to people <laughs> with this. Um, I want to share some more stuff, though. I got, I got some more good stuff here. Yeah, go for it. So, okay. So the big thing with this step, there's two things. Um, reverse engineering is really, really key for execution. So what you want to do, and I alluded to this earlier when I talked about the um, just the different parts of goals, the milestones, the key activities, and the habits. What you really want to do is reverse engineer your goal. And, and the, the resource I recommend here is The One Thing. It's a great book, a uh, great productivity book. And what you got to do is, so if you want to make 100K or whatever it is, let's say I'm just throwing out a nice even number, you got to look at, okay, that's what I want to make over the year. What most people really fail to do and, and not take the time to do, because this takes hours to do, is, okay, if I had to break that down per quarter, realistically with what I'm doing right now, how would I break that down? Not just 25K per quarter, but based on what I'm making right now and what I would have to make up, what would that progression look like? Or what, to the best of my knowledge, would it look like? And then what does that look like broken down per month? And then I use that to come up with my focuses for the week, the focuses for my day, and what I should be doing here in the hour. And then what you can do is, so if you're looking at the, the milestone and breaking down that milestone goal like that, you're gonna break down the key activities like that. What are the key activities that I need to do over the next year, quarter, month, week, day, to hit that 100K goal? And then you start breaking down what are the habits that I would need to incorporate in my life also. So to add to that Google drawing that I was talking about at the very beginning with the vision, I not only have my milestone goals on there, what I want to accomplish, but I also have each month on there broken down by quarter. So there's like four little quadrants 
for Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, and then have three months within there and have everything broken down to the, th the top three things that I need to accomplish each month in order to keep me on track for those milestone goals. So really take the time to really reverse engineer yeah. and break down and go in that minute detail of what you need to do. And it's going to change. You're not going to be perfect, but at least you have something to aim for and you have a way to really limit your focus is to two to three things on a per month basis so that that's really all the bigger things that you're looking at. So could you, could we maybe run through a quick example of that either sure. in your own life or maybe we could use, um, maybe use me as a case study. Like how could we take a goal that I have or maybe the, if you want to use one of your own and dissect that down into those different steps. Let's take one of your goals. Okay. So like my one for the year or yeah, what I'd love to do this year is reach $5,000 per month of recurring revenue from my the sales of products on my website. That's what I'd mm -hmm. love to do this year. And and um, I've broken that down into Q1. I'd love to do um, get that to 1,000 uh, in Q1. Um, but, and I've, I've got some, and I have this all planned out in Asana versus in the, in the Google drawing, but um, I've then got some tasks related to things that I need to do on my site and areas I need to focus on. But could we maybe could we maybe go from the top and break it down using your process? Sure, let's do it. All right. So you want to make five thousand per month right now? What do you got right now? Um, so I'm probably hovering around um, between five hundred to a thousand. Okay. So five hundred to a thousand. So when you look back and you broke this down per quarter. Like what? What do you think that that natural progression would look like? Are you 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 want to hit this in Q four? I would assume. Yeah, by the end of the year. Right. So we have to make up forty five hundred bucks essentially. Let's just call it forty five hundred. So what I would do right now, since you already are making income, is let's just do like an eighty twenty analysis, right? So what are the top twenty percent of things that you're doing that are generating eighty percent of the income you're already making? It's the sales of my uh, personal productivity toolkit, which I sell on my website. Okay. Yeah. All right. So personal productivity toolkit. So that's the key activity, right? So how much is the personal productivity toolkit? Uh, it's two four nine. Two forty nine. And there's there's some coaching options in there as well, which I'd like to focus more on, and and more and more as I think, and as as you've been talking, Jason, I've been thinking I should be doing more more coaching, and so I wonder if that's something I should be prioritizing more this year. Mm -hmm. All right. So essentially, what we can look at here is that if the the milestone goal that we want to hit is five thousand dollars per month, the key activities are gonna be selling a combination of those personal productivity toolkits and coaching. So where I would look at and do some planning is, see, you can reverse engineer this as well. You have an email list, and I'm sure you have conversions, right? Yeah. So you know how many products that you sell per one email uh, subscriber, right? Do you have like a dollar amount that each subscriber is worth? Uh, well, that's, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I could give you a number for that, but I would say, because I have a sales funnel for my toolkit, which people will go into yeah. it after a certain amount of time of being on my list. But um, I would say for maybe every 100 to 150 people that enter that funnel, I'm getting a conversion. Into a sale? Into a sale, yeah, sorry. Okay. So, I mean, you can look at this a bunch of different ways, and this is how I'd plan it is, you know, if it takes 150 email subscribers to make 250 bucks, like, let's just do the math on that. 
That means each email subscriber is worth, this is actually pretty good. Industry average is like one, a dollar. Yours is a dollar 66. Well, hey. So if you know that each email subscriber is worth a dollar and 66 cents, what I would do is reverse engineer and look at if I need to get to a th uh, 5,000 per month, if you just sold courses, for example, you would need to get to an email list of 8,300. Okay. And then what I would do is I would break that down per quarter and look at, okay, so what are the key activities that I need to do in order to sell the amount of courses that I need, which I re if I reverse engineer that, that's based on the number of email subscribers that I have. If I reverse engineer that, what are the things that I'm doing to build my email list and how can I apply the 80-20 rule to that? What are the top 20% of things that build my email list? It could be for you. Well, actually, what is it? Um, I get a fair bit from just organic traffic, people searching for um, things related to content that I've written. That's a fairly good one. And then um, I think uh, just organic sharing from people who have read my content and then sharing on Twitter and Facebook. And I'll, I'll post to Reddit and places like that. Um, so that does quite well. Yeah. And then recently, actually, I've I've created an email course for Highbrow, gohighbrow.com, which is an email um, educational service. And so I created a productivity mm -hmm. uh, course there and that's been sending traffic and subscribers to my site as well. So th there's a few different places, but, um, in terms of the 80, 20, probably the, the organic traffic would be the biggest one. Mm -hmm. So if organic traffic is big, you know, it might, it might mean creating a little bit more content, right? Yeah. I, the one that I would guess though, that's pretty big, just being a marketing person is what influencers have you identified in your space that have huge email lists that you can create content for, yeah, like a guest post? Or how can you create content even on your website that you feel would really resonate with theirs and get them to share it? Or how could you do like a guest roundup post with the top productivity gurus or whatever in your space and quote them in that article and make it a roundup post? Get, get a quote from them and then ask them to share it. But those are all the things, like your number one key activity is building your email list in order to hit your goal. That's how reverse engineer it and really break it down like per quarter per month based on what you're already doing and what you see the natural progression being yeah and like i said you might have to kind of there's a little bit of guesswork too but i would say the key activity there is i would focus everything on building your email list you already have a sales funnel you're already making money you just need to push more into the top of the funnel now and and you're already converting really well too if 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 every email that you get is worth a dollar and sixty six cents, you're converting really well. Uh, I mean, I, I probably need to double check my numbers, but yeah, like, um, I mean, that's certainly it's that's been that was so useful. Thank you, Jason, to just go through that because it certainly it validates what I've been thinking, which is that like I'm pretty confident in the the email um, funnel that I've got, and I actually put a huge effort, a load of effort into email. I think it's one of the best ways to grow your business, but um. You, uh, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, it was just, a, I've been thinking over the last few months, I just need to get more subscribers. And so I have been looking at, yeah, either trying to boost the organic traffic or looking at um, uh, guest posting and things like that. So it's all it's all on my radar. Um, so thank you. Thank you for going through that process, Jason. I hope everyone listening can kind of see how that is extremely useful and is starting to think about applying those kind of steps to their own life. And I think if you've got, if you can use numbers like you were doing, Jason, um, to like look at the actual numbers and break it down you can almost put like a formula behind it and sort of say well success comes when i reach this tipping point of subscribers or, or what have you so um yeah thank you for sharing that that was really useful yeah you're welcome man so where did we get to in the execution okay so i have some extra time too if you want to go a little longer so um with execution 
So essentially what this is after, so to reverse engineer, what you're going to do, it's like the exercise took the words right out of my mouth. It's apply the 80, 20 rule to find out what's already working for you. Mm. That's how you reverse engineer any goal. <clears throat> All right. So the next thing, and really, I think the productivity people really like this is I want to share some, just a few hacks. So Paul, you talk about the three areas of productivity being time, attention, and energy. Yeah. So I just want to give you a few things that you can do to sort of uh, boost your productivity in those areas. So we already talked about saying no, that's a big way to save time. But one thing I find and that is especially relevant to our generation is that this is like the generation of distraction. This is the most distracted generation ever because it's so easy to be connected. Fast Company did a study and said that when you break focus, like you get a cell phone notification or whatever while you're in deep focus, it takes 23 minutes and 15 seconds to get back on task fully, to get 100% engaged in that task. So the biggest thing I recommend in this time area is utilize do not disturb mode on your phone. Turn your notifications off. You should not be getting notified when people send you uh, messages on Facebook. You know, that should not hit your phone. I turn I go as far as turning vibrate mode off when my phone's on silent so that nothing happens. I, I don't get any distractions. And what I would challenge you to ask yourself is what is really that urgent? How many things in your job are really that urgent? If email's urgent and you can't help it, okay, I guess you gotta leave that on in your phone. Like that sucks, but you gotta do it. But I'd really challenge you to think that in most cases, it's not it's not an urgent thing. Email is something that you just need to respond to within 24 hours. It's not like a phone call from your boss, right? So emails and texts really aren't super urgent. And I would turn the notifications for those off. The second part to saving time, and this is something that's been a huge game changer for me. It's so simple though. And I heard Noah Kagan talk about it on Tim Ferriss' podcast. He said, optimize from the top down. He said, make sure of the little things. Like one of the biggest productivity hacks that I've I learned is turn the track speed on your computer all the way up. Yeah. Turn the track speed on your mouse all the way up. The other thing too is get familiar with Gmail shortcuts. You know, like the shortcuts that I use to like compose emails, delete emails, like archive them real quick, trash them. Uh, this saves me so much time every day when my a lot of what I do is processing email because I'm getting so many inbound inquiries. You know, so it's like. Look at what you're already spending a lot of time on and look at how to optimize that. You shouldn't be spending two hours processing email when it could take 45 minutes just if you utilize shortcuts. You know, The other thing too is utilizing Apple shortcuts, You know, like the command tab to switch between uh, 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 programs instead of having to go all the way down to the bottom and click. Like Little stuff like that adds up to hours at the end of the day of yeah. you doing frivolous work. So do that, You know, use those little things. The second part is energy. This is a whole podcast in of itself. Dude, just take care of yourself. Make sure you exercise a little bit every day, even if it's just using the seven-minute workout app. Make sure you're eating a clean diet. Make sure you're getting lots of sleep. I'm not an expert in any of those three areas, but I do study them quite a bit, and those are very, very important for your productivity. And the last one that I'll go through that I do have some, some apps to share is, is your attention. This was the one that I never even thought about uh, in, in terms of that, that trifecta was I never looked at how I manage my attention and my, my ability to focus. Meditation is big for that. I use headspace and brainwave and meditation is not one of those hunky dory sort of hippy dippy things. Um, I just spend 10 minutes doing it. And all I really do is just think about breathing for 10 minutes. <laughs> That's all I do. And it really helps clear my mind. And I'm a pretty anxious person. So one of the things I do at the beginning of the meditation exercise it's just ask myself, what am I anxious about? 
and it's usually over something really, really stupid, and it kind of grounds me. I'm like, okay, like, no one's dying. No one's got cancer. Yeah. Like, my health is good. Like, it's okay. Um, I also use an app called Focus at Will. So if you find – there's this thing called decision fatigue, and there's a lot of science done behind it, but essentially what it is is it's it's why, you know, the president of the United States tends – like, they typically have their clothes picked out for them, and they don't really pick out their meals either. These things are just all prepared for them. It's why Steve Jobs wore the same clothes. It's why Mark Zuckerberg wears the same clothes pretty much. And the reason for that is you can only make so many decisions throughout the course of a day. So if you can limit the amount of decisions that you're making, it'll really help with your ability to focus. And like focus at will is just a really great way to do that. Um, I like focus at will opposed to like, especially if I'm doing deep work because there's no words in the music. So it's not like I'm listening to a catchy song that I like and I'm like thinking of the lyrics while I'm listening to it. And it's not like I'm listening to a podcast where I'm trying to dissect and learn what the person's saying. I can have a singular focus on that project and and not get into that decision fatigue where I'm thinking about all this different stuff. And that's really what it comes down to is that at the end of the day, if you had to respond to 100 notifications that were pinging you and not pinging them, which is very realistic between emails and texts and phone calls, and you had to you know, multitask essentially and work on projects and think of like podcasts or learning material on the side, it's too much for your brain to handle. You're just going to be really, really exhausted at the end of the day. And you're going to look back and wonder like what the heck you got done. So I really like those apps. Um, but I would say the common pitfalls though, in this section of execution is being easily distracted is the number one thing I see people make a mistake of and not looking at your goals every day. Look at your goals. Spend two minutes looking at your goals for the year every single day and just ask yourself that simple question, is what I'm about to do today getting me closer to my goals? Yeah. And you're going to be on track. Like you'll figure it out. It's a process that you'll figure it out. I'm just sort of giving a structure to it. It's not a blueprint though. Yeah. It's not step-by-step directions. Those don't exist unfortunately. And anyone that promises step-by-step directions for how to accomplish your personal unique goals in a course format or a book format is like, full of crap, you know, like you have to adopt this system and way of thinking and, and adapt it to your own goals and what you want to accomplish. I totally agree. It is just habit. Like I think about my goals and the things that I'm working on every single day. And so it is just second nature that I think about it. And, and I think the more you, the clearer that vision is going back to the, bring this all to a nice close is like, the clearer that vision is and the more it resonates with who you are and who you want to be and the things that you want to have and do, um, the more the more you're going to remember it and think about it every day and the easier it's going to be to use that as a mechanism to then prioritize those tasks and, and, and say no to the things that don't matter. Um, so that's, um, that's a really nice uh, bit of advice. It's so simple, just like thinking about your goals every day and, and keeping focused. Um, and I actually do just want to say as well, related to the meditation you mentioned that you just um, focus on breathing for 10 minutes. I used to get caught up when I would, my mind would wander, wander off and I'd forget about the breathing. And I had to remind myself that that is the exercise, uh, is almost like catching yourself yeah. when, when, <laughs> yep. you, when you do wander off and then coming back to the breathing. That's the whole point. The fact that you've caught yourself and you, you can then refocus, you're doing the exercise. So you're never, you're not expected to focus 100% of the time on the breathing. I mean, if you can, that's fantastic. But um, yeah, I just had to kind of remind myself of that because I was getting a bit frustrated doing the meditation when I would just wander off all the time. <laughs> yeah, I was chuckling because like once you figure that out, you figured out meditation. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jason, um, 
I have like a ton more questions I wanted to go into, um, but uh, as we're as we're getting um, over the hour mark, I think I'm thinking we might have to do like a round two or like a part B podcast um, in, sure. in a couple Love of weeks to. or something because I've got a ton more questions um, we could get into. But to wrap things up today, thank you, thank you for sharing your um, your goal setting process. Like that was incredibly in depth, and I uh, I hope everyone listening has got like a ton of value from today. I know I have, and again, thank you for sharing um, your advice around my goals. It's been incredibly useful. So um, yeah, just one more time, thank you for coming onto the show and for giving just delivering such awesome value today. It's been really good. Definitely, and uh, I put together a free toolkit for your audience too. So you can get it at genysuccess.com slash Paul. And what's in that toolkit is all of the tools and recommendations and books that over 85 guests on my show have recommended to help you boost your productivity, make more money, to do exercises like I just did with you to figure out, you know, what should I focus on with my business? And in that toolkit, it's based on, you know, what, what are the apps and books that I need to boost my productivity? What are the best apps to start a business? There's all kinds of good quotes in there, everything that you need to really get started in this whole department of like boosting your productivity in terms of business, you can get at genysuccess.com slash Paul. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, where else can people find out about you online? What's your Twitter handle and where else can people go? Twitter handle is Jason and then D as in David Bay. So Jason D Bay. And then genysuccess.com is the best place to connect. I mean, there's a contact form on there and everything. I mean, if, if uh, anyone wants to discuss this further or needs any help or direction or whatever, I'd be more than happy to help them out. Hit me up on Twitter or go to my website and hit me up on the contact form. Um, any, anyway, I'm pretty easy to, to get a hold of. Awesome. Yeah, definitely uh, connect with Jason. And um, if you have any questions, please, uh, yeah, get in touch with him via his website or Twitter. Um, and Jason, just one more time, thank you for coming on to the show. It has been awesome, awesome talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, man. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Jason Bay from genysuccess.com. Uh, it was great having Jason on the show. And as he mentioned, make sure you head on over to genysuccess.com slash Paul, where Jason has got the toolkit of apps and books and other resources that he's put together after interviewing 50 plus guests on his podcast. So these are really highly recommended tools. And you can head on over there and get his toolkit of recommendations for absolutely free. And remember the link for this episode if you want to visit any of the um, links that we mentioned. You can find them at paulminers.com slash 25. And while you're on the website, if you haven't already, be sure to sign up to my free seven-day productivity plan at paulminers.com slash seven days. And when you sign up, you'll receive an email a day for seven days teaching you how to manage your tasks, your time, your energy and attention so that you can get more done. And my final request today is if you're enjoying the show, I'd really appreciate some iTunes reviews. Uh, so head on over to iTunes in and uh, yeah, leave, leave me a review, leave me a comment, let me know what you've been enjoying about the show and let me know what you'd like to see more of or hear more of. Uh, I'm really open to feedback. So thank you one more time for listening to this episode. I will catch you next time on the Productivity Podcast.